Good morning, everybody. And uh, the U.S. Open starts next Monday, and it is exclusive to ESPN Live in presented first ball to last ball here in the U.S. We are joined today by Chrissy Everett and Brad Gilbert. They'll be very busy those two weeks and likely hot weeks uh, in New York. They're going to preview the action for you. We will go around the room. We'll get to everybody, I think, and we'll, I'll say who is up and who is on deck. No need to, uh, to press any buttons. To get started, batting leadoff is Frank Pingay from Reuters, and then it'll be Bruno Montpiete from RDS in Canada. Hi there. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, question for Chrissy. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts about Serena, Will- Serena Williams, obviously, going to the U.S. Open. Um, you know, her up campaign, she hasn't exactly had the most inspiring campaign on the hard court, but does that matter when it comes to Serena and competing at the U.S. Open, where she's had so much success? Yeah, I think that um, it's not only with Serena. It's not, you said it correctly. It's not only presently what's going on. It's, it's in the past, and she does have a lot of confidence on that court. She has a lot of confidence playing in front of the U.S. crowd. I, you know, she, to me, she played a very on-form, you know, Kvitova last week. I didn't, I didn't really feel like that was a failure for her. I felt like at times, like for a set, set and a half, she definitely had her A game going. Um, and really, if you look at that match, 6-3 in the third, um, the way Kvitova was playing, you know, she would have won the tournament, I mean, the way she was playing. So, I, I mean, Serena was, to me, the second or third best player still last week, and she is getting better every week. And the more she trains, you know, I know she went, she came down to West Palm. I think she's training down here now. And, um, you know, that she needs to put in a little bit more training, get a little bit quicker around the court, um, get a few good matches under her belt. Uh, she gets into the second week of the U.S. Open. Um, with those matches under her belt, she's going to be a favorite for sure. I, I mean, I just feel as I've seen her progress this summer and I hear her say that she can feel it and taste it and she's close and she needs to keep working harder. When I, you know, I, And you know she's working harder. So um, she's got to be one of the top three. I think favorites for me. Thank you. Okay, next up, as I said, Bruno Montpite from RDS, and then it'll be Andrew Both from Reuters. Bruno, you there? Bruno, your line's open, sir. I don't know if you have yourself muted on your end. We're unable to hear you. <laughs> Bruno, where are you? <laughs> Bruno struggling. <laughs> struggling to get the words out. Maybe we uh maybe we move ahead with Andrew at Reuters and then Richard Pagliero at Tennis Now. Uh good morning. I have a question, Brad. Um I'm wondering uh, whether you think a young player is on the verge of breaking through and winning a slam, and who you think the most likely candidates are, apart from Zverev, I guess, and what you think they need to do to take that step to the next level? I mean, obviously, that's a $64,000 question. Um, 
everybody is waiting and hoping, you know, somebody 25 and under can make a breakthrough. If Chilich or Delpo don't win the Open and no one under their age wins it, after the Open there will be no one on the men's side 30 and under that has a major. So blame the big three. They have wiped out, you know, quite a few generations. Um, and without seeing the draw, which is made tomorrow, I'd put it a minimum of 79.83% right now that one of those three win the, uh, uh, the last slam of the year. I think the, the, the most important thing in the draw is where Djokovic falls. If he happens to fall in the same quarter as Rafa, then I actually think that there is the possibility that something could happen because now that means only one of those two could get to the quarters. I think the the likelihood of anybody young or anybody having to beat all three of them, let alone two of them to win the slam, is is monumental task at the moment. So blame the big three for their greatness. Well, could I just follow up? What, uh, what do you think Zverev needs to do to take that next step? Where does he need to improve? Well, he he just took the step in the right direction, which he probably should have took sooner. I see that he has hired Lendl. So I, I think that was an incredibly positive wow. step in the right I direction. Um, I, when I watch um, Zverev, for some reason he plays freer when he plays in the thousands and some, you know, some of the smaller events than he does in the slams. Um and when I watch him, sometimes I say, so goes his forehand, so goes his chances. But I think that he has to forget about the expectations and play the opponent on the other side of the net and avoid from playing five-set matches early in the tournament. That's what's kind of gotten him in trouble a little bit the last few slams. Okay, thank can you. I, can, I, can, I, can I just yes. uh, interrupt? Um, I. Um, you know, I think the thing with Zverev, when you said, what can he improve? I think it's the mental attitude. I mean, I think he gets down on himself. He gets emotional. And I think if I think it does affect his play. And I'm all for showing your emotions if you can forget about it when you're going to the next point. Very much like Mac John did very, very well. But I think he carries it with him. And I think if it's true that Lendl's coaching him now, that, I mean, with what he did with Andy Murray was phenomenal. And that is, you know, improve his mental and emotional, the side, that side of his game. I think um, Zverev will have it all. Okay, thank you. Strong words. Okay. Uh, next up, Richard Pagliaro from Tennis Now. Um, then we'll give Bruno a second chance. Uh, Richard, good morning. Good morning, and thanks for doing the call. I really appreciate it. Uh, I want to ask you two questions for both of you. First, on Federer, it's been 10 years since his last U.S. Open final, but he's coming off the Cincy final. What do you see for Federer, and what has to happen for him to make another run? And then secondly, on the Serena seating, you know, do you agree with it? Do you think the seating should have been higher? What's your, what's your position on the Serena seating? Okay, I... It, was that today on the? Uh, I didn't see what her seating is. She Sorry. got moved. She got Christy. She got moved from twenty six to seventeen. Gotcha. Um, 
So do you want to know about uh, okay. about? Go ahead, Christy. You take it. Better. And then I'll go. Oh, ahead. Uh, um, uh, seventeen. Okay, I, I need. To think about that a little bit, but as far as Federer is concerned, um, uh, I think it's just for some reason the U.S. Open hasn't been easy for him, <laughs> and it's at the end of the year. It's at the heat. It's the height of the heat, and three out of five sets. Um, you know, he's he's created miracles before in the last two years that we've been surprised, and it, he could do it again for sure, very capable of doing it again. Uh, is he rested up enough because it's going to be a grueling two weeks for him? And this sometimes is when age creeps in, those three out of five sets when you've had three in a row. Um, I, I just think, you know, Djokovic and Nadal would have to be favored over him at this point. Um, Brad, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, Richard, I, I mean, it's absolutely amazing at 37 years young how fit of a fiddle he is. And he, he seems to be able to put himself in a position. It's not what's happened the last 10 years. He's only focused on the next two weeks uh, of potentially what could happen. I think the biggest win possibility for him could be is if Joker is in the same quarter or half as Rafa. And I think that potentially, you know, let's say he's in the same quarter or same half as Roger, but just potentially having to beat those guys back to back. I mean, it's still possible for him to do it. Maybe no one else, but it's just a huge obstacle. So I do think the most important thing by far in the men's draw, you know, because Basically, Joker being the sixth seed, he has a one in four chance of being in anybody's quarter. I'm sure the entire other 125 guys are hoping that he's either in Roger or Rafa's quarter, which then, you know, maybe will create some more openings in some other sections. But I do think that that is the most important factor. And for Roger, if, if, like I said, if Joker happens to fall in the Rafa quarter, you know, he, he wouldn't say anything but we'll say it for him, I think that's a big win. I think as far as Serena, you know, looking at her hard court season, um, it has not been good. And losing first round um, in San Diego, and then she uh, lost, what, second round? I'm trying to think here. What did she lose in? She lost uh, early in Stanford. You know, obviously she had the issue. Well, that's Stanford. That's what I'm talking about. She lost. Uh, she lost first round in Stanford, right? And then Montreal. Um, what happened to Montreal? Did she pull out of Montreal? No, she pulled she... out of Montreal. Just played Cincy. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it. And then she lost in Cincy um, to Kvitova. So I mean, I think. I think to 17 is fair enough. <laughs> I mean, because unless, listen, if she would have gone to the finals of these tournaments, you know, I think that would have, you know, raised her seating a little bit. But I, I don't, again, she she was, I, I, I think safely we can say, you know, unsuccessful in the hard court lead up. So um, for for them to seat her 17, I think that's, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Richard, I know one thing, never underestimate Williams. Serena, yeah. uh, and there's two tournaments. If she can get through the first week, get some confidence, going into the second week, she becomes a different player. 
Uh, I blame the WTA. I think it's an absolute joke what they've done, and they should be embarrassed that they don't have anything. Injuries are different from somebody coming off of, uh, you know, maternity leave. And I think that she should have come back after her absence with the protected ranking of number one. If you've seen me tweet, you know, from Indian Wells, I felt like she should have come back for eight tournaments with a protected ranking and seeded ranking of number one, not just Serena, whoever it is, wherever you come back after maternity leave, if uh, if you were eight, you should be eight. If you're 15, you should be 15. So when she left the tour, she was clearly one. So since something like that hasn't been done and they need to do it, which I think, like I said, is an absolute joke, um, I would have seeded her probably five to eight. You know, I said I would have seeded her one at Wimbledon based upon her past, and I would have, based upon her past, you know, success at the Open, I would have said about five. That's that's hmm. just me. But the WTA definitely needs to look into this. You know, Azarenka had it, now Serena. So any future women that have a baby, when they come back, it, you know, you get the benefit of getting in the draw, you know, getting into some tournaments, but okay, they're going to get wild cards anyways, but I do think that it's unfair to opponents that potentially have to play her first round. Yeah, but it's, but it's a tough call. But, Brad, it's the same thing as being injured. If somebody comes back strong... No, I, I, I mean, honestly, to I, play. I, I hate to disagree with you, Chrissy, but I, I honestly okay. don't think it's... Just, it, I don't think it's the same as being injured. It's it's not an injury in philosophy. And so that's in, in why I think they need though, to, right? I, I think they need to look at it and come up with a better ruling because I actually, I mean, this is me. I I really believe when you come back after this, whatever you were ranked before for eight tournaments, you should be ranked that and seated that. Then after eight tournaments that you've played, your ranking will be adjusted. That's just my okay. Opinion. Well. I think it's fair right now because I mean for this uh, for considering we're in the we're we're dealing with this decision that the WTA made we're going along with it I think the fact that she doesn't have to play a top 8 player until the second week um you know I think I think is is fair and I think um I I mean I I agree with you Brad but at the same time if if Serena Williams has dominated tennis for 10 years and then she had an auto accident, and then she came back after a year. You're saying that she should start from scratch, or she should start with the protected ranking? Um, I, I mean, I will put the distinction. An injury is different because in work, if you you're having a baby, it, it, it you know they make provisions for when you have a baby and you come back. It, it, you know, it's it's you get a paid leave. So I I don't understand why that the Women's Association, the WTA, doesn't draw a distinction between being injured and having a baby. It is something that really needs to be looked at a lot closer um, for this to happen in the future. That's just my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all all I'm saying is I think if you're going to protect being pregnant and having a baby, I I think injuries should have a little consideration, too. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, 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 right. I agree. I also agree that, like, <laughs> if you're injured, that you know, and, and you come back after a year, 
you know, they, they use it once again just for the draws. I would, you know, like Murray has no rank, you know, ranking, no seating. Same with Fed. I, I would do that differently as well. Yeah, gotcha. Well, we agree. We Then we're agreeing. Okay. Sorry, people. <laughs> Obviously a complicated topic. Richard, I think you had uh, more. Christy knows I love her. <laughs> yeah, I was no, just we ask- agree. We agree. I just, I think that the having a baby, I just think if you have a terrible injury and it's like not your fault, I mean, you're in an accident or something, that's, I, I just think you should come back and be protected somewhat. That's, that, that's my point. That's my point. Good, fair point. I just, if I could just follow up quickly on Sloan, what do you see for Sloan and, you know, just her first time defending a major, but, you know, she has reached a major final this year. You know what? I think Sloan is playing unbelievable, and she's playing the same form that, you know, she played last year's U.S. Open. Um, I think she's got confidence. Um, you know, she's just a, she's a more confident player, which I think is going to help her. The only thing that, that will be against Sloan is um, the pressure of having to defend, and that always remains to be seen how the player uh, reacts to that. You know, I think that Sloan is still, you know, she's still a little bit of a nervous player, but I think that's one area that she's improved tremendously. And um, so, I mean, I I have faith in her ability. I have faith in in how mentally tough she's gotten. It just is going to be, if she can get the crowd on her side and and be inspired, I think she could win this tournament. Um. But it all depends on Sloan, and it, obviously it depends on how she reacts to the pressure. Uh, I'm, I would say with, you know, sight unseeing the draw, I would put, you know, Sloan as about the second or third favorite. I would probably put Halep as the first favorite at the moment, Serena in the mm-hmm. mix. Um, the biggest thing, exactly what Christy said, first time defending a major and without seeing the draw i will i said there's about a 79 percent chance that one of the big three wins the men's i'm going to say if you told me at the end of this tournament 20 different women could win this tournament i would say you're probably right and there's probably the likelihood of something happening at wimbledon where we could see lots of upsets because i think between one and 40 in the women's is, I mean, monumentally, you know, closer in level than one in 40 in the men. So I wouldn't be surprised if we lost half the top eight seeds in the, in the first, you know, two, three rounds. Yeah, I agree with, I agree with you, Brad. Nothing's changed since Wimbledon, except a couple of new fate, new players like Burton's who's, you know, you got to put her in the, in the mix now, you know, she's, playing so much better. Kvitova seems to be playing better. Um, you know, you got Sabalenka. You got some new players that have uh, that have really popped up in this hardcore series um, that you have to take seriously. But at the same time, um, I'm same. I agree. One. I mean, any one of you know, I would probably say 15 players. Man, you know what? I'm gonna just even not even say that. I, mean, I, I think one to ten players. I think it's it's gotten to that. It's starting to, um, it's starting to 
be a little a few a few less players I think could win this tournament because I just think the top players are still mentally you know Halep is Halep is looking awfully tough and again Serena's going to play better at the U.S. Open I think than she played the last couple months um, Kerber winning Wimbledon you know she she likes the hard courts Wozniacki I don't know what's going on with her but Sloan's going to be better than she was at Wimbledon so I, I think one of ten players could win it. Yeah, thank you very and much. Matt, really you know, appreciate it. Don't even don't don't tell on Madison Keys. I mean, I know, like I, I I just think she's got a slam under her belt in the next year. Very good. All right, well, we will uh, let's let's try Bruno Montetet from RDS again, and then Ava Wallace from the Washington Post. Bruno, are you there? Bruno, Greg, he's he's on the line, right, Greg? <laughs> yep, Bruno, you, you are connected, and your line's open on our end. Again, you may have yourself on mute. We're not able to hear you. Don't hit the old muter. Bruno, we're going to give you you-know-what when you get on the line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe he's getting enough uh, from the other questions. Uh, Ava Wallace at the Washington Post and then uh, Neil McLemon from the Daily Mirror. Hi there. Um, I actually have a question for both of you guys about Coco Gauff. Um, the, I think she's still the top-rated junior right now, obviously coming into the U.S. Open after making the final there last year in the girls' competition. Um, she's so young, and she's got a French Open title under her belt now. I think she just turned 15. And I'm wondering for you guys, when you see a young player like that, who kind of has a lot of potential and, you know, has a lot of less, uh, has a lot of things left to show us. How do you make sure you can carve out your own path and not draw those comparisons to people like Capriati and people who have had success young beforehand? What's the most important thing? Well, for me, she needs to keep her team. You know, she needs to not... She she needs to just keep the the routine the same, even though she's having success. And when she starts having big wins against the pros, again, she doesn't need to be looking for a new agent or looking for a new coach or changing anything. You know, her schooling, uh, where she practices. I mean, you just got to keep it. You got to keep it down to earth, and you got to keep it humble. And you've got to, you know, you've got to go back to basics and just, and, you know, live the life that you've led before, because that's the one thing I see that once a player starts to have success, all of a sudden they're on every talk show and they're doing every interview and they're, and they're, you know, doing appearances and they're changing coaches and changing agents. And she just has to keep everything the same and be humble. That's what I think. I mean, she should probably call Chrissy for some advice, but I, I saw Coco play when she was 12 years old. I'll say this now. She was probably in the main draw. She, I wouldn't be surprised if she made it to the second week. She's an unbelievable athlete, and I'll be very surprised if she's not competing to win slams before she's finished being a teenager. She has all the capabilities, an amazing athlete, uh, and I think that, Everything what Christy said, the, your main focus at that age, she's 5'10", she can hit a serve almost 120 already, is just improving. Keep working on your game. Keep getting, you know, better. 
I hate the whole limitation of rules that now that she can only play a certain amount of events and everything like that. But I, I think her, uh, uh, Amanda Amasova and Whitney Oswego, these three are going to mm-hmm. do great things for uh, uh, American tennis on the female side. Um, all incredibly talented. But Coco is ahead of class. And like I said, I will be very surprised if she's not completing, uh, competing to win slams before she's finished being a teenager. Thank you, both. Okay, I heard Neil has uh, gotten what he needed, so let's move on now to Jean-Luc Legendaire, also from RDS, Bell Media in Canada, and then it'll be Dade Hayes at Deadline Hollywood. Yeah, I'm I'm, re- I'm here, <laughs> and I'm working for the French-Canadian broadcast, so I have a couple of questions about our Canadian players. Uh, maybe, Chris, about uh, Eugenie Bouchard and all the work that she's worked putting through to to get back in the top uh, players. Uh, you know that she was uh, playing a challenger tournament uh, last week. Uh, so maybe your comment about uh, her playing. Uh, she won a qualification match uh, yesterday. So do you think that she has the potential to come back in uh, maybe top top 30? And a question for Brad about our two young players. Uh, maybe a comment about Denis Shapovalov and uh, the young Felix Auger Aliassim uh, will play in qualification uh, today and has a huge win in uh, Toronto a couple of weeks ago uh, against uh, Luca Pouille. Well, the thing I like about Jeannie Bouchard is very much what Andre Agassi did, and Brad, you you know this. Um, he, you know, the, starting to play the lower um, tier tournaments um, to to really win some matches and to gain that confidence and to gain match uh, practice and um, really to get her game back. And I like that. I like that she's doing that. I think it's going to humble her. And it shows me that she's hungry to get back to, you know, close to where she was. I don't think she can get back to where she was, but I, but I, I don't doubt that she can get back to top 30. I don't see why not. I mean, she's, um, she's, she's proven that she has the game to be dangerous when it's on. But the problem is it, it really hasn't been as she, you know, she still shows us in, in bits and pieces, but it hasn't been consistently um, the game that she had, what, three, four years ago. So, I mean, she's got, again, she's got to work on, on, you know, just her game is to be aggressive, to hit the ball. She's got to work on her moving, to be in position to hit the ball. She's got to work on consistency, and she's getting the matches that she needs right now, and she's gaining more and more confidence. So, you know, I mean, she's on the right track. And she's she's on the right track, and I do not doubt that she could be in the top 30. Uh, I think she's learned a lot. You know, I think she's learned a lot through this adversity the last few years. Um, To pick pick up what Chrissy said, you build up equity by winning matches, and then you, you obviously when you're not winning any matches, your opponents don't fear you. She needs to play a lot at this level and gain confidence that when she moves up, that she's ready to, you know, make that step. And then sometimes you're measured about what you did four years ago, and everybody says the expectation, when is she getting back? You know, it's building blocks. Win some challengers. Win some small events. Get some confidence. Then when you move back up, you're in position to do some things. So 
I always find that when players drop, men or women, whoever it is, they measure you for what you did before, how quickly can you be back to that, and sometimes that's a tough obstacle. On the two Canadians, um, I think Dennis is incredibly talented. I was incredibly surprised after Wimbledon because I thought he has an unbelievable serve for a guy. He's generally listed at six, six feet tall. I'd say he's probably 5'11". Um, he has an unbelievable serve, but then he just just completely changed his serve, which was a little bit odd to make a change like that um, in the middle of the season. He kind of went to this abbreviated motion, and it, it doesn't look nearly as smooth as the other motion, um, albeit I, I think he's incredibly talented. Um, I think that, you know, for him, the next step is, um, you, you know, making – you know, a run in a major and getting in the top 15 and then going from there. I think that his skill set is tremendous, got a good forehand, quick, um, and got a lot of belief. Um, FAA, as I like to call Felix, is is loaded with talent. I mean, he's got, you know, phenomenal athleticism for 6'3", 185. Um, And if he was a stock, I'd put a buy on him. Um, I, I, I love his I love his athleticism and his ability, but on the pro tour nobody gives it to you. You got to go out and earn it and continue to work hard. And I like that he's been building on the the, the challenger level. Um, and I, I think that he potentially you know has a big future. I think him and Dennis I'd be very surprised in the next three to five years they weren't competing to win slams. You know, can I just – I'm going to um, build on that, Jeannie Bouchard. Brad, you said something interesting about the players. You know, in the beginning when she came up, nobody knew how she played. Nobody saw the patterns. Nobody – she was – you know, now everybody knows. And and a player gets a reputation. And I think when these players now, now or in the past have gone on the court with Jeannie the last three years, they have a sense that if they can just keep the ball in play and be consistent, Jeannie's going to make the error. And sure enough, she's been making a lot of errors the last three years. And when I used to, when I would commentate her matches that year, she had a great year. Her winners and her errors, the ratio was the same. Now she makes twice as many errors as winners. If she can be more consistent and clean up her game, clean up the errors a little bit more, I think that's going to help with her reputation. I think that players will go on the court thinking, oh, my God, I've got to win this point from her because she's not going to give me anything. She's given away too many free points the last three years. So that's one area that I think she can work on. All right. Thank you for your time and have a great tournament. Thank you. I'd say one other thing that Tricia just said there about, you know, men and women, when you're five in the world, you know, you come out of the locker room, you come out of the tunnel, it's a different ass playing them. All of a sudden, when you're ranked 100 or 150, you're not five anymore. People think, man, you're beatable. So that, that's the equity of winning and the equity of losing that how players all of a sudden, besides knowing her game after that first time around, it's all of a sudden, okay, they look at her record, see what she's been doing, and yeah. people have a different view that, okay, you're not the same player. I don't have to overplay to beat you. The only way you get that back is by winning matches. All right. Um, Very good. We move on now to Jade Hayes at Deadline Hollywood. 
And then we'll go over to the UK, Stuart Fisher at the Herald and Times. Hey, guys. Um, thanks very Hi. much. Um, wanted to ask your um, th- – these have been really interesting, you know, tennis insights, of course, but I'm, I'm, I'm now interested in asking your opinion, you know, sort of your, your views as, as broadcasters um, from the Open this year. It's a milestone year with the new Louis Armstrong Stadium, um, and it's kind of coming after these really dramatic changes to the venue. So just can you offer any thoughts um, – about you know what it's going to be like this year, what viewers can expect, how uh, you feel the whole team at ESPN has kind of gotten its sea legs as you've kind of explored and settled into to the totally redesigned um, uh, venue. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Liz, I, I think that that it's exciting. In a way, all these slams, they compete against each other. When they make improvements, you know, the other one wants to make an improvement. No one wants to be 20 years behind someone else. Um, and I think it's amazing that they're continuing to try to, to make the experience better for the fans, for the viewer at home. Um, I've, been coming, I've come every year to the Open since 1981. And as a kid, like, you just dream about going there one time and and playing there. So as soon as I walk through the gates on Sunday morning, it's almost like I got to pinch myself that it's the same like Wimbledon. This is what you dreamed about. I never take that for granted. Um, And I I get so motivated and excited for the next 15 days. I just root for great matches and great drama. And then hopefully we don't have blowout city and matches. Um, that's kind of, you know, what I root for. I root for great matches and, you know, good tension, good, you know, good storyline. Um, it, 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 it's up to the players, you know, but and listen, we, we have fun being a part of it. It's a, it's a great experience. ESPN is absolutely amazing team. They have so many people behind the scenes doing amazing work to make us look better. Um, hell, I, uh, I mean, I got to pinch myself. My wife says I, I talk to the TV at home. I do it for free, and, and I get this great experience and great opportunity to, that ESPN gives me, and I, I hopefully don't take that for granted. You know, it's New York, and it's a show, and every Grand Slam has its charm, and every Grand Slam has its niche. In New York, the U.S. Open, the last one of the year, it's showbiz. It's a spectacle. It's an event, and it's always exciting. Nighttime is more exciting in the, in the U.S. Open than any other Grand Slam. Um, everybody gets dressed up. I mean, we ESPN, we feel it. You know, you get dressed up. You've got the fireworks going. You've got the you know you've got the the bands playing. You've got um, it's just it's just so exciting, and it's and I think that. The players feel it, especially the American players feel so much support when they walk out on the court at the U.S. Open. And I think that having, being the last Grand Slam, I think it's the last hurrah. It's like, okay, you got to put all your eggs in one basket and just play the best you can this one last Grand Slam of the year. It can salvage your year. It can make, it can create new stars. Um, but it's all, you know, it's, it's all about being a show and being an event. And that's, what it has over the other Grand Slams. 
And to, to say what Chrissy said, I, I totally agree about the nighttime atmosphere in New York is different than any other slam. I think all players kind of dream about being on the biggest court in the world. It, it, yeah. It's just something that that has a different feel than anywhere else. And yeah. a little bit like school, this is like, listen, whatever's happened in the year, you have a chance to like, Completely, you know, from midterm to the first set, you have a chance to completely, you know, if it hasn't been the year that you want, it, you can completely, you know, change your year in this event. Turn it around. And some of yeah. The, yeah, and some of the players that have done well, you have a chance to maybe make an amazing year. So it's the last statement event of the year. And, and can I just ask a quick tag um, on, on Louie, because it's such an iconic part of the experience. It speaks to everything you guys have just talked about. I mean, do you have a sense of, I don't know, is it going to be, what's it going to be like to have that whole new Louis Armstrong? And let me, let me quick jump in before the answer. Uh, Armstrong's going to have scheduled night sessions this year, so we'll have a choice of two matches for our evening right. sessions. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's epic that now Louie gets its own, you know, so you have two different <laughs> venues at, 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 you know, night, separate tickets. Um, yeah. it, it, listen, it was an incredible court, but it needed an upgrade. And now Louie's getting, a, a, like, the most incredible upgrade that it needed, and I'm excited to, to, to call my first match there. I think it, for all the pictures, everything, you know, I've seen, everybody's saying it's an amazing new court. Can't wait. Thanks very much. Yeah. All right, let's go over to uh, Stuart Fisher at the Herald and Times in the UK, and then we will uh, give a second chance before the uh, top of the hour to our friends at Reuters, Frank and Andrew. Hello, guys. Uh, thank you very much for doing this. Um, predictably, I, I'm going to ask an Andy Murray question. Um, I mean, first slam, you know, for since last year's Wimbledon, it's been a long time. What what should uh, what would be success for Andy at, at this tournament? I mean, he's obviously you know had a, a little bit of success at, at points, uh, you know, in the hard courts, uh, just to get back out there and enjoying it again at a slam again. Well, I would say, for, yeah, I, I'll take it first, Christy. I would say first, yeah, and foremost, I mean, he needs. A full year of being healthy to to play a lot to see what he can do. Um, so that would be first and foremost. He's obviously at the mercy of the draw. I mean, he could play Rafa, he could play Fed, he could play mm-hmm. he can play anybody first round because of how low ranked he is. So you know, so obviously not knowing his draw, that's a difficult thing to 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 project. But I'm sure that. Like, all of a sudden, he's not the kind of guy that, like, man, I'm hoping to be able to win a couple. He's hoping, okay, maybe he has a decent draw and can get into the tournament by getting to getting through the first week and, yeah. you know, go from there. I mean, I saw Stan, like, a couple of months ago, and he didn't look very good, like, when he played it, actually, Murray, um, before Wimbledon. And then all of a sudden yeah. I see him yeah. in Cincinnati, and he's completely a different player. So I do think that Andy's ability – once he's healthy, they can play week in and week out. I do think the re- results are going to come. His game is a bit different than, um, let's say, Fed coming back from injury, even Joker or Rafa, because his game is more, he's got to use his legs more. And he, he, 
So a, a big thing is when he was out, he wasn't probably able to put in the hard yards. He had hip surgery, so it's not exactly like you can do cardio. Joker was out with an arm injury, but I'm surely he could be able to do cardio. Um, Fed, yeah. I mean, he, he's more, I mean, even though that he had that knee injury, he's way more offensive-minded uh, in his tennis than Murray. So the way he came back didn't surprise me as much because the way he can still take time away from opponents. I do think that Andy, Andy can take some, you know, stock in, like, how long that Delpo was out a couple different times and was able to come back. So if in 12 months from now, if Andy was totally healthy, no more injuries, and you told me he was back in the top five, I wouldn't be surprised. But he's just going to need time. Yeah, I and I yeah. think, and I'm no, I'm no doctor, but, I mean, I don't think we have a lot of case studies of hip surgeries of players that have come back. I don't think that's happened. That's happened so much with knees and shoulders and wrists, successful stories, but we haven't really had many top players, if any, that have had hip surgery and come back. And the hip, I mean, to me, you know, Andy has to develop, he has to regain that agility back and that flexibility back that every step that you move, your hip you know, when you serve, when you swing, when you run, your hip is is um, a part of all that. So um, I think I agree with Brad. I think it's going to take time. I mean, this is he's just starting. He's just he, we can't expect anything from him, any results um, from him. And I'm just I think everybody has to be patient, including himself, and just be happy that he's out there <laughs> in the first place, but have no expectations. Chrissy, on the guy side, it's probably 15 years back, and I know medicine is a lot better, but a couple yeah. of prominent guys come to mind that had hip surgery that never recovered were Quirton and yeah. Magnus Norman, and especially Magnus Norman never recovered. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do think that, that training is better and yes. technology is better. And to me, somebody of Andy's um, competitiveness that yep. – and, and seeing how Djokovic has come back, seeing how Fed have come back so quickly, he's not an old 31. I think that will inspire him. But, it, like you say, it's not an easy task. He needs a yeah. whole year of being healthy and time to see if he can put everything together. Yeah, and how much, and how yeah. much, he's, willing, and how much he's willing to work to make it happen. And that's a big thing. And we know that Andy has shown a lot of resilience over the past few years. And if he has that resilience and if he has that hunger, um, you know, then, then the results will start happening. Can I just uh, ask one quickly? I mean, would it, to, to win a five set match, would that be a kind of staging post in his recovery? Cause he's not really been asked to do that. I, I, I know that we, he could get anyone in the, in the first round, you know? Well, that's I, a big question. Like, yeah. Go ahead. You don't Go know ahead, where Brad. he's going to be in. You don't know where he's going to be in the draw. And then it's a big, you, you know, obviously physically, you know, playing two matches in a day, you know, he, he didn't want to do that in Washington and played till three in the morning. And, you know, that, that was a tough week for him. But you don't really know about yourself physically until all of a sudden it was, you play 7-5 in the fifth, maybe you get through it. But how do you recover on the one day off and, and putting yourself in position 
to to play, you know, another day later. So I, I think that yeah. you'll know a lot more about him when he plays three months and he's got a lot more, yeah. you know, matches under his belt. I think these questions are easier to, to potentially answer, but not, you know, having so much under his belt. I think that's probably why he decided not to play Wimbledon because he maybe thought physically he wasn't ready to play best of five. So that that is the, the big question that probably needs to be answered and will take time. You know, we can we can all speculate about this, but, I mean, Andy Murray is the only one that knows what his body feels like and what it feels like after a five-step match, and we didn't have the surgery, so he's the only one. So it's all it's it's about speculation, but you think that the more five-step matches he has, it's, it's not going to be a good thing for his body. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, let's finish things up with our uh, two correspondents from the Reuters News Service. First, Frank Pingay. Chrissy, kind of another question on the women's draw. Who is the biggest threat to Serena? And I'm wondering if, you're, if, there, if we should put much weight into um, Simona Halep withdrawing this week with this Achilles injury. Is that more because you think she just really needed rest, or is, is this injury going to be a concern over the next two weeks, do you think, for her? I think she's had Achilles and ankle problems all year. And I think she has, she's taken t- weeks off because of it. After Wimbledon, she took weeks off. Um, I think it was the pounding of the hard courts. I mean, th- this woman, I would have been shocked if she would have played this week. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even think she'd play since, um, yeah, I didn't think she played Cincinnati after that, after that, um, um, after that week that she had in Montreal. So she played a lot of matches, doubled up on a lot of matches. She has to run more than most players. And she has always seems to have three set matches. So, I mean, it was the best thing for her, unfortunately for the tournament, but the best thing for her and her health uh, and her fitness to not play this week. I don't think it'll affect her at all um, at the U S open. I think she'll be rested and ready to go and, and you know what? She she will be she will be a threat to Serena. She's one player that will be Sloan for sure, Sloan for sure. But Halep also um, because she's so solid and because she can run down and diffuse a lot of Serena's balls. Um, so and, and she's confident. I mean, you can see it. She gets herself out of holes. I mean, the last couple of weeks she was down in matches and she pulled these matches out. And it was like, okay, that's like Serena-like, you know, and she's starting to do it now because she has that belief in herself. But because she's solid, because she can run all day, and and she can still play offensive tennis when she needs to, um, I think definitely she's going to be a threat to Serena. Um, the biggest thing is we, we don't know where Serena is in the draw and how her draw is, but I'm like I said, you never underestimate Serena on her ability to elevate. But I, albeit, I do think players now feel like when they come out of the tunnel, they're not 4-0 down. So they actually have, you know, especially so many of them, they got crushed by her, you know, during a 10-year period or five-year period where they had no hope, probably take the court with a bit of a different attitude that, okay, you know, let's see – what happened? So, so I do think that that is a factor. Um, absolutely, Halep 
nothing. I mean, she's fine. She that, that that was totally a precautionary, you know, move. She was one point away from doing the double, which had never happened before, winning Canada and Cincy. Um, the fact she's Chrissy size. She's five five. It's amazing what Killer six, has done. Five six. Don't, don't make me shorter than I am. Five six. Okay, Thanks five six. It, it, it's, it's seriously amazing <laughs> how well that 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 she has gotten the last few years. And unbelievable credit to to Killer Cahill for yeah. his unbelievable belief in her um, that she's put herself in. Listen, she's earned to be the number one player in the world. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's amazing accomplishment. Um, so I, I would say there's probably a lot of players. Like I said, I still think there's 20 women that could win the Wimbledon. I said there was 20 women that could win Wimbledon. I mean, excuse me, 20 women that could win the Open. I said there was 20 women that could win Wimbledon, and I didn't have Kerber as one of them because she didn't really have any form coming in. So that just shows you where the women's is. And I, I like I said, I would not be surprised if somebody put together a hot run and we were like, wow, didn't see that coming. That's just because I don't think there's much difference between 1 and 40 right now. Brad, if I could just follow up. You mentioned how, you know, people when they come on court against Serena, you know, they don't feel like they're 4-0 down right off the start right now, that they feel they have, I guess they have a better chance than perhaps they would have had before. Do you think, I know Serena loves to spend as much time with her, with her daughter as she can, and I'm sure she'll be in New York with her. Is it tough mentally for her, or maybe maybe this is better suited for Chrissy. I don't know, but is it tough for a player mentally to be, you know, perhaps 20 minutes before the match, you know, you know, playing peekaboo with their baby in the back, and then stepping on court? Can, yes. Is it easy to flick that switch and get into that competitive mode? First of all, I'm offended that you didn't ask a mother that question. That's me yeah, and Brad. Brad, though, what does he know what goes on the mind of a mother? Come on. Uh, Brad, go ahead, Chrissy. Because I'm more qualified. Um, to turn the switch on and off is very difficult. And that's what she's trying to navigate right now. Um, she's never had this feeling before. She's never had this love before in her life. She's never had this nurturing feeling, this protective feeling. It doesn't switch on and off. It's there. No, even if it's not consciously there, when she's on the court, it's in the back of her mind, and it will creep in, I'm sure, once in a while because she's not a robot. So, yes, it is very difficult, and that's, again, I think even more than the physical part, that the emotional part is the toughest one to, to try to figure out for Serena to be successful um, and to get back to being number one and also to feel – guilt-free that she's spending enough time with her child. So it's, it's just a, it's just a love affair that she's never had before. And it's just, it's gut wrenching sometimes when you're feeling guilty about your kid. Um, so, um, these, again, these are, she's only had to think about herself her whole career. She's only had to think about Serena. Yeah. Now it's something, obviously exactly something Christy's got, you know, a lot of experience on, um, (laughs) You know, the guys that have kids, it's not the same. You know, they, they they maybe have support staff to take care of it. But the amazing thing is Serena is six weeks away, I believe, from being 37 years young. So it's not like she's 26. Um, and, you know, for any athlete, you know, it's learning that balance, learning how to, to be able to 
to, to, to have all the time to do all the things. When you're 26 and you're singly minded focused or even 35, so now she has different priorities. And so it's learning how to balance all of that and then get to the court and feel free to be able to just look on the other side of the net and be better than the opponent on the other side of the net. So that's the, that's the big question. But, but honestly, if, two years ago when people took the court against her, they, they were just hoping not to get beat 6-1, 6-1. They were four zero out of the tunnel. And these are even top five and top ten players would get blown out before even walking on the court. So I do think that that part has changed. And the only way Christy knows is every great player in the history of the game, you build up the equity by crushing people. And then all of a sudden when that doesn't happen, you know, look what happened to Djokovic when he lost a few matches, when he had crushed people. People's expectations all of a sudden, you know what? I, I have a chance today. So that, that listen, that, that's been always the case in the game. Great. Thank you, folks. All right. We're just about an hour, so let's finish things up. Also at Reuters, Andrew Both. Um, hi again, Brad and Chris. Could I ask you, please, uh, to comment on two players? Um, Sitsipas, could you please critique his game? And Kyrgios, do you think he'll ever stay focused enough to uh, fulfill his potential? <laughs> Bradley, you take okay. this one, Bradley. I, okay, I'll, I'll take him. First, I, I, I watched Sitsipas kind of grow in, in our eyes in, in Canada. I did all of his matches. Uh, he's six foot five. He's unbelievably athletic. Um, he plays great defense. Um, I like his ability to finish at the net. Um, I, I remember two years ago, about 26 months ago or 25 months ago, I watched the semifinals of Junior Wimbledon. I watched Shapovalov uh, play City Pass in the semis of Junior Wimbledon. And I remember watching with my son and Chris Fowler. And Patrick Moragadu had told me about him, you know, that he had been training as academy since he was 14. You've got to watch this kid. And I sat there and thinking to myself, I can't believe this is the juniors. I can't believe the level what I'm watching. And two years later, fast forward, it's not surprising me at all. I, I think his upside is tremendous. Um, I think that as he gets stronger, I think he can serve bigger. Um, I think a good goal for him probably 12 months on is to, to cut his ranking in half. And I think that he will compete to win slams. I think that, you know, after Zverev, He's the best that, that, that at the moment, that's 23, 24, and under. Um, tremendous upside. Kyrgios, like I, uh, I've said many times, he's got immense talent. But unfortunately, he doesn't know how to use it at the moment. Um, he, you know, he's become a bit of a prisoner to, to hitting tweener shots between his legs, imitating other players' serves, and um, showman, he, showman. He, 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 he's become too much of a showman. Um, I think if he could get a coach that could help him and he's going to listen to him with structure. And actually the coach is the one that's making all of the decisions. Then I think he could compete to win slams, but he needs a trainer. He needs a coach. And then he needs the, the ability to let them make the decisions for him. Then if, if he does that, I think that his skill set 
is still better than probably anybody's. You know, so wow. those are the questions that he's got to learn to to answer and want to do. But maybe like he's happy doing what he's doing. You know, so I, I don't know him, so I can't give you, you know, you know, answers that I don't know. I haven't seen him on the practice court. I know that week in and week out, he seems to struggle physically. You know, knees taped up. It's his hip. It's his arm. So he, he, he's battling a litany of injuries, and he's kind of become, like I said, this little bit of a prisoner to the, the showmanship that he does. But if you ask me about his skill set, there's nobody. Nobody, 25 and under, that has more skill than him athletically, uh, the serve, the movement. He's got it all, but he's not putting it to, to the use that, that he could be. Okay, so Kyrgios is uh, – it, 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 uh, it's frustrating to watch him. Um, it, he's, he, as Brad says, kind of brings talent to another level that we've never seen, that we haven't seen, in the, I don't think, in the tennis world. I mean, this is a new level of talent. But you can't change DNA. You can't change, I mean, the wiring of somebody. He, it's, this change has got to come in, within himself. And, you know, he's going co- to coast. And as long as, as long as he wants, as long as he can. But at some point, I think we all who are fans of his and love his tennis are probably wanting this more than he is right now. And <laughs> right now he's happy. I, I don't know if he's happy. I don't know if he's happy, but he's a complicated guy. And I, I wonder if, you know, he just doesn't want to give up a lot. He doesn't want to give up because you have to make sacrifices to be the best to win Grand Slams. You have to make mental and emotional sacrifices as well as physical, which is the training, which I think he he doesn't train like the top men do. Um, and I don't think mentally and emotionally he's at that level of the top players. But he's gotten by with with not wor- not having to work that hard at any of those components. What is going to be the trigger that's going to open his eyes to, if if at all this happens, the fact that I really want to win a Grand Slam, I really want to be number one, or whatever. The hunger is not is not there. The the he loves tennis, he loves to play, loves to compete. All that's fun, all that's there, but he doesn't have that champion hunger yet. Will he ever get it? Will somebody get it out of him? Or will he get it out of himself? That that is the thousand dollar question. Thank you. Excellent. Yes, great all around. A lot of ground covered. Uh, topics on and off the court. So uh, thank you all for your interest, Brad and Chrissy. Thank you very much. You. Everybody, thank get you. started on Monday. Exclusive on, from ESPN. Have a good day, everybody. Bye.